Hey, it's Dan. Before we begin, I want to let you know that there's only a handful of episodes of the Jockey Club left. With that said, before this is all over, I would love to hear from you, members of the Let It Ride faithful. Hear your thoughts and opinions on the movie or anything else that's been said on this series. And if I get enough emails, I'll make a special episode and read your thoughts. If you've already sent me an email, it's probably going to be included. So if that sounds good to you, then send an email to dan at moviemaker.com. Okay, now let's do the show. Welcome to The Jockey Club, a podcast looking at the movie Let It Ride, one scene at a time. My name is Dan Delgado, and we're at historic Hylia Park where one man is having the best day of his life. I'm having a good day. So come on in and hang out while we talk about this day and the greatest movie of all time, Let It Ride. Don't worry about that guy at the door. I've got you covered. You can even take my seat to the jockey club. Welcome to the Jockey Club. My name is Dan Delgado. We are up to episode 29, which means we are doing the 29th scene of Let It Ride. And really, yes, it is the 29th scene according to me. This is a scene where Trotter decides which horse to make his final bet on. And with me to discuss this scene is Steve Bick. Steve is the longtime host of the Sirius XM radio program At The Races. And a few weeks ago, on his show and we spent an hour discussing Let It Ride, The Jockey Club and movies in general. Odds are a good number of you out there who are listening right now first heard about this podcast from my appearance on his show. So I thought I should return the favor well, in a way, and invite Steve up to my usual table to discuss a scene. And he was more than happy to do so. And if you're playing along at home, this is from minute 11049 to 113.43. And if you're playing along at home, this is from minute 116.14 to 117.36. So now, let's head on up to my usual table at the Jockey Club to discuss the importance of celebrating your wins and the 29th scene of Let It Ride. Now, as always, Steve, I need to know about your first time seeing Let It Ride, and and also, what was your initial reaction then, and has that changed over time? Do you look at it differently now than when you first saw it? That's an interesting, that's an interesting question. I did not see it until I was well-established as a horse player and as a, a fan of the game, and I might even venture to say not until I, I think when I started my website, Derby Trail and discussion of it. I was aware of it. Right. And, and like we talked on radio, actually, about, about this a little bit. I was aware of it, but I, I hadn't sought it out. And then when the opportunity started to arise to see it you know, on cable or to, or to, you know, to pull it up digitally. Uh, or I may have even, I may have even gone, it was still in the era when you could go, you know, get a tape, Yeah. go rent a tape. And I may have done that around two, I'm going to guess around 2007, 2008 in that range. 
Oh, wow. So that late. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, I may have let the reviews affect me and, and, and my interest <laughs> in it. But I, 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 suppose, I suppose getting to know Cronley and, and just being around the horse player milieu right. sort of tripped the, the interest that I, I got to see this. I, 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 how have I not seen Let It Ride? All right, and so you go ahead and you get your your old VHS and you pop it in or whatever it is that you did. And so, what did you think in two thousand eight, seven, whenever? Well, the initial reaction of everybody is is the same. It's like, oh my God, I'm in love with Jennifer Tilly, and, and oh, yeah. how you know that she dominates any early viewings of it. I mean, and and, I, and of course, by the time I, I saw it, she had become this sensation on the poker circuit uh, as, as well. And so, uh, no, I, I, I found it, I found it incredibly charming and, and humorous, obviously. And it, it just, it had, you know, it had, it had a Caddyshack meets Seabiscuit feel. Uh, <laughs> That's good. And so no, I, I I enjoyed it, and and then you know then it, it's one of those movies that when it turns up on on cable, you know you whether whether you see the last twenty minutes, whether you see the first half hour, you know it's one of those pictures you then see subsequently in bits and pieces, and, and whatever whatever portion you you get, you enjoy it. It uh, it. it, it Absolutely, and I think I, I think I told you that that I had seen even chunks of it and had not seen it straight through until you know whatever point it was that you know that I did sit and and take it all in you know from start to finish. And it's not like it's a you know it, it's not Doctor Shivago. It, it you know it's ninety minutes. It's a, it's a brisk ninety minutes, baby. Yes, yes that's right. Except for you, who has managed to you know, stretch it out into months and years. Oh, my God. That's exactly right. Yeah, no, no. I, I've turned it into uh, 10 Dr. Zhivago's is what I've yeah. done. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So now, it's, tree of, it's Tree of Life. <laughs> I don't know that Tree of Life is, is as long as it is or if it feels as long as it is. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. Don't want to upset the Terrence Malick uh, fans out there listening. But you, know, you mentioned... Uh, a relationship or the, a friendship or something with Jay Cronley. So can can you tell me a little bit about that? And, and just you know, just in, in the same way that my you know my exposure uh, in in press boxes and the awareness of the radio show and and just getting to know people like him and and Jay Hubdy and Bill Barish and uh, well John Parada who's in, you know in, intrinsically involved in the show. But, uh, you know, the, the, the whole group that did Luck, for instance, just by, you know, being in racing, in, in racing media and, and, you know, as the show's awareness grew. So, I mean, I, I did not, you know, I didn't have a, a special, you know, I couldn't text them, but, you know, certainly, you know, certainly. And I can't, I, I thought about this after you and I spoke earlier in the year and, and I, I can't remember if he was on the show or not. And I wish I had a master index of everybody that's been on. I mean, we've been doing this, we've been doing the show 17 years and I, I've had all walks of life and I have a, an inkling that he was, but I can't, I can't pin it down. Yeah. So I, I interviewed him twice. Right. And I tried to interview him a third time and I, I would have just kept talking to him if I could. Right. 
So I had him on the first time, and he was actually the first person I ever interviewed for anything. It was in 2006. And then I talked to him again, I think, a year or two later, right? And, and then I, maybe six months, a year later, I'm trying to get him back on. And he's just, I'm, I'm busy, Dan. Uh, I'll, you know, he would agree. Actually, this is what would happen, and I haven't talked about this, but he agreed to come back uh, like th- at least three times and then backed out at the last minute for some reason. Oh, I, you know what? One time the writer strike was going on, and he, I remember this very well. He told me, I've got to go and vote in a meeting in, in California. So I, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, and I, I don't know if all his reasonings were legit or he was just like, I've had enough of this guy who won't leave me alone about Let It Ride. I'm not sure. But uh, I just couldn't get him back on a third time. Well, and, and I, can, I, can, <laughs> I can sympathize with that because I've, I've, I've been on the asking end. Uh, I'm trying to think of a parallel uh, to somebody that I've harassed or, or that I haven't been able to, to, to get on the show. Andy Serling this week actually uh, told me, he asked me, he said, have you had MC Hammer on, who had a very prominent, for a stretch, had some very nice horses. And I, I said, you know what? I haven't had Hammer on. And, and so now I've got to go out and get Hammer. And maybe that'll be the, you know, everybody's got a white whale. That's in, oh. in, in, right? In, we, this, yeah. in this genre. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I have several. I think you end up getting like a stable of whales, really, as, uh, <laughs> as you go on. All right, so you ready to, to dive into this scene? It's a short one, but I think we can handle it. It's actually, and, and you can, I'm sure you'll set it up, but I will say this. It, it feels like mm-hmm. an important, pivotal minute in the scheme of things. Yeah, I would say so. It, it really is. It really is. The, you know, this is where we're going to pick our last horse. This is where that, that final bit of inspiration i i think this may be the last time that we hear the chimes of destiny pop up in the film right okay so this is very simple so you've got trotter and vicky they're sitting at the stables and looney walks up and asks what are you going to do and vicky lets him know what he's not going to do which which, which figures in and 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 is, i'm glad you mentioned that and and because Obviously, the scene right before that is Vicky propositioning essentially yes. Trotter and and him absolutely, you know, flatly turning her down and you know professing his love and speaking for all of us, love for Terry Gar yeah. and <laughs> which everyone has and it, it, that's why I think it's a pivotal scene. The, the, the what what transpires from that point because he's a different, you know, it all. Drama is about, you know, central character changing. And he's he is fully changed at this point. Right. I mean, he's a better husband. He's a better person. He's happier with himself. I mean, everything that goes into the very good day has distilled down to this moment. And the ability to know, to ignore the advice, quote unquote, of, you know, of, of the peanut gallery uh, yes. that, that he hangs out with at the track and Looney especially. And it's really, a, a, to me, a, a point where everything coalesces. And the last 15 minutes of the film from that point is just this sort of dream sequence 
almost a coda. And for that reason, even though it is, what, 70 seconds, it's really the point that you could almost start rolling the credits. <laughs> yeah, but as, as you're watching this for the first time, do you think he's going to win that last race? Oh, yeah. There's, no, there's never a doubt that he's going to win because, because he convinces you of that because he's convinced. You know, and, and yes, there's the comical few moments here and there where what if he loses? But then he says when 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 she joins him, uh, you know, and, and even when he's walking with I'm going to forget his name with the guard and, and you know, just yeah. And, and just essentially summarizing what a great, wonderful day it's been, no matter win or lose. Yes. I mean, it, it, there's a certain there's just this certain satisfaction and contentment and that that's a feeling that is a hundred percent drawn from race track experience and from horse player ups and downs. And, and, you know, there's days that you absolutely, what he is relaying to the audience is distilled a hundred percent from how you feel after a, a good day. And, and even, you know, even if you just come out slightly ahead, slightly behind, or it doesn't even matter. Because you've had all of these wonderful moments along the way mm-hmm. that makes coming to the racetrack so pleasurable, and winning the last uh, the last play on Hot to Trot uh, that that's gravy or or whatever you know yes whipped cream on the on the Sunday. <laughs> all right, now I agree with everything that you said. But I was convinced he was going to lose that last race. I was convinced that all of these other things were going to be the real victory of the day, right? Like all of the friendships that he had made and how he has reconciled with his wife and all of these other things that that had gone well for him. But I always find it to be very subversive that they let the gambler win in the end. Because gambling movies, a lot of times, you know, we can't let that vice go unpunished. What's what's wrong with you? But let it ride does. Well, and for a good reason because yes, people do win. People win. <laughs> it does happen. People win. That well, that's one of the beauties of the racetrack versus so many other forms of gambling. You're the paramutual. You're betting against everybody else. It's and it's your opinion and it's your confidence in your own opinion. And for that reason, mm-hmm. absolutely, he can he can win this last play and and go home, you know, even happier than you could have imagined. I mean, I, he does so many. There's so many little things. The the diamond, the diamond necklace. There, there's so many little things that are drawn from actual experience. And, and I'll relay a funny individual story that a lot of people probably have heard from me which was the summer of 1990 at Saratoga and being excited to go see Go For Wand in the Alabama. And, there, and she was going to win no matter what. But I was with a girlfriend and we were there from the first race. And I rarely bet a daily double. At least back then, I rarely bet a double. Uh, but I bet a double. And double hits for $80. And I think I had it two and a half times. So I'm up a couple hundred dollars. And the, the girlfriend, she wanted to go to the shoe depot downtown in Saratoga. And I said, all right, I'm up a few hundred. Let's walk downtown. We'll go to the shoe depot and we'll get you something, you know, while I'm ahead and, and all that. And, and instead, 
she runs into a friend from Cortland State. And so now it's a couple of minutes to post for the third race. Okay. Like she, oh, she's talking to her. Yeah, she's talking to a friend. I said, all right, let me bet this race. Uh-huh. So I look, I'm looking at the form. It's a nine-horse race. I find this horse, the seven horse, named Balinar. It's a big price. It's like 14, 15, 16 to one. Oh. All right. So I'm going to bet this horse. And I wheel the horse with four horses. And they were all the odd one, three, five, and nine with the seven. So that's $16, the $2 exacta, you know, each way, keyed front and back. And now I'm watching the race. And this horse is out in front, six, eight lengths, and turning for home. And it was back when they only had the numbers, 1990. Okay. So, it, okay. so there it is. Seven, one, five, three. <laughs> I'm like, this is unbelievable. I've got a 16 to one shot that's going to win this race. And, and one of the other ones is going to be behind. I'm going to hit this exacta, and it's going to be a bonanza. Okay. We turn for home, and, that, and now I see something as they pan the camera around the turn. I see something is moving. And it happens to be the nine horse. And at the time, I didn't know it was the nine horse. But now, now we're now we're in a stretch duel, and it's the seven, and it's the nine. And and there had been a there had been an older guy, you know, next to me who took an interest. What do you got? I got the seven with the one three five nine. And then, so he's watching. So we're watching. He's going, oh my god! The down the stretch, and, and but they hit the wire together. And he says, "You got it. You got it." So what do you mean? He said, you got it. It's the nine. It's the nine and the seven or the seven and the nine. The boy got it. It's a 27 to one shot. 27 to one shot. The two longest shots on the board. All right. Tell me. Unbelievable. Keynote speaker in Balinar. And I, 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 it's it's $721 exactly. 710! And, and I, I, I'm like stunned at this and i go to cash the ticket and the machine you know makes that noise chunk, 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 chunk. it's like what's going on the guy said oh you, you can't i can't cash this this is an irs ticket so what does that mean <laughs> yeah i have no idea said so my first irs ticket so we're, we're we're there for an hour not even an hour oh wow and i'm up a thousand dollars actually i only got 500 and change after the irs took their 24 percent and i still got like 500 and i got all the i still have all the paperwork I mean, 35 years later, whatever it is. But we went downtown, and I got her her shoes and a pair of boots. When we came back, we watched Go For One. But the point is, the diamond necklace, when you win, mm -hmm. that's something you do. You go and either you buy your wife, your girlfriend, or both. You buy you buy them something. A, a memento, exactly. Or you you know buy something that, that you're going to have forever. It can be a racetrack thing. It could be a, you know, everybody, those horseshoe, those horseshoe rings, get yourself a horseshoe ring, get something that is a permanent remembrance. So that thing with the, with the diamond necklace, it, it, you know, there, there's just one thing after another in Let It Ride that is, that absolutely rings a hundred percent true. And that's one of the virtues of, of the film. Yeah. So even if he loses that last race, even if, it all goes away. He'll be able to point back to that necklace that his wife is still wearing with a big yes. smile on her face. And he'll say, yeah, you know what? That was exactly. that was exactly. my day at the track. That's where exactly. that came from. Exactly. My very good day. Uh, exactly right. That to me, it's it's really that's an entree to the film's ending. And, and from there, it's it's all just, you know, it's all great. It's just it. it, it it's actually even a review. You know, so many of the other characters, you get a, a moment 
Yes. You know, to, to the Robbie Coltrane reprise there at the end uh, as well. And, it, it, you know, going to the counting room. The, that's, you know, that this is this comes after the scene we're talking about. But that I, I don't know if you've even have you mentioned this yet? The scene in the counting room? No, where, I, I, I think I'm doing that one tomorrow. So go ahead. Well, but, well we can talk about it. It's fine. It's everyone well, who's seen the movie who's listening to this podcast. There's no secrets. Well, the, the the pan through the, the room and the and the crying Arab sheik. Yes, the Arab the Arab sheik is is sobbing as as he as, as they take you know however many hundreds of thousands. That that's a just a great little sight gag. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's funny. There's not a lot of just like throwaway sight gags like that in the movie, but like that one. Oh yeah, it just jumps out at you. It's like oh that guy is not having a very good day. No, exactly. Well, that's and that's see, that's the money you know going flowing from one side you know it, it, toward toward Trotter. That's that's part of what makes the game so appealing. Oh, that's true. So yeah, maybe what that guy lost is you know half a million dollars that Trotter will be going home with. That very well. That's right be because true. that's what he's because that's what he hits for, right? He hits for five hundred thousand, basically. Basically, Six, yes. Sixteen mm-hmm. to one, sixty thousand, thirty well, thirty times uh, the sixteen. Yeah, four hundred eighty thousand, give or take. All right, all right. So now, as Trotter and Vicky and Looney are, are chatting, you hear the horse in the stall that's next yes. to them. It starts neighing and making a lot of commotion. Looney looks at it and says to Trotter, "Well, whatever you do, don't bet on that horse." And he says, "There's something wrong with its eyes. It's it's blind or something." So now Trotter's going to go and take a look. But I want to ask you, Steve, what is it that Looney sees in that horse's eyes that he's clearly not identifying correctly? It's hard to know, actually, because when they do go in the stall yes. and you do get the, the, the headshot of Hot to Trot and the pan to his eye, I mean, there's nothing more expressive on a horse than their eye. And there's nothing more important. And I mean, he, he essentially winks at, at Trotter. Yep. I, that is clear. But there's also there's also a beautiful clarity of, of that of that shot of, of his eye. So I have no idea. But the beauty of the exchange is that Trotter knows that he's got to go in the opposite direction. That if Looney says, "Don't bet on that one," yes, I'm betting on this one. And that that's also part of the you know the introduction to the end because he he just. He knows what advice to, to ignore and what instinct to trust. And, and, and that's why at the end when he says, I knew it, he said, I knew it. I, I just, I knew it. And, and, and you do. You, you know, when you look at PPs, uh, depending on, you know, everybody's got their own, their own habit and practice mm-hmm. in terms of how you make your selections. But there's, there's moments where you just, you just know. And uh, you look at, you know, you look at something, you, sometimes a horse jumps off the page at you. I, I say, looks like a beach ball. And you say to yourself, I knew it. I, I absolutely knew this horse, especially if it's a horse that is, is a price that is not easily identified as a win candidate. And yet you identified it as a win candidate. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's the greatest feeling in the world. That's why, that's why racing, you know, that's why it can't be beat. Has a horse ever winked at you? No, not not necessarily winked at me. Yeah. Um, horses will look at you. 
they, they there's there's certainly famous stories uh, are very friendly with Mrs. Weber, Charlotte Weber of Live Oak Plantation, and the story of the horse she paid 1.3 million uh, for that she that she named 1.3 carats that winked in the sales ring going going into the sales ring. Oh wow. Yeah, and and Charlotte ended up buying that horse for 1.3 million. Now, of course, she's the heir to the Campbell Soup fortune, so it, it, it's a little easier for her than than you or I. I mean, if a horse winks at me, I, I, I I'm not able to pay more than about thirty, maybe forty thousand for one of our partnerships. But no, but I but but horses horses will do that. They will you know the same way that like a cat will slow blink at you. You know, one of these. Uh, oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Oh, oh the cats. The cat's saying something. There's, there's a connection that's happening yes. here. There's something that's something else that's going on that uh, mere mortals, everyone, else, no one else can understand this, but, uh, but no, we have no, this thing. No, nonverbal, yeah. exactly. Uh huh. Exactly. And so now, what he, Trotter is going to do is, as you've explained everything now, right? You've explained he's in the horse kind of comes out of almost like the mist when it, when it appears and it stares at Trotter and winks at him, and then he knows. I mean, actually. It winks at him, and then he looks at the name, and the name is hot to trot. And it's like, okay, that's everything I need to. I have all the information. Yeah. And it's like, all right, now I'm off to bet. He introduces Looney to Vicky, and then they head off to go bet that. And then that is the end of the scene. Would you like to hear a little bit of the screenplay version of this that I have, which is very yeah, different? Yeah, sure. The whole, sure. Yeah, so the last couple of scenes, which would be the – we're in Marty's bar where it's let, you know, he tries to convince them to bet it together. And then where Vicky comes and finds him. And this scene, they all happen together as one big scene. And it's all on the rail. And it's, it's very different. All of the characters are hanging around. And when he sees hot to trot, it's just going by on the track. And the horse looks at him. And then he decides, oh, that's my horse. But everything else, you know, the, the, everything else seems to be very different. There's a lot of just sort of randomness. It's a bit messy when, in, in this version. Like, the version that we have in the movie, I think, is much better than, than what I've read. Interesting. I, well, and the moment that precedes Trotter's arrival, it, it feels like, yeah, it feels like maybe they segmented all those elements because there, there's that, you know, there's that pivotal turning down uh, of Vicky and, and, you know, and, and oh. right, right ahead of that, right yeah. ahead of, of Trotter's arrival, of, well, of, of Mooney's arrival. Well, well, in, in this version, he does kiss her. So, you know, it's, it's a little different. Well, that's all right. Uh, with the, that, that, that's harmless. That, 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 that's harmless enough. All right. Well, yeah, with, really, really, Steve, <laughs> really, Steve. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh -huh. I, yeah, I'm gonna give some, I'm gonna give some leeway. All right, sorry, <laughs> giving a little leeway. All right. Well, uh, we've we've done it. We've come to the end here, buddy. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about uh, Let It Ride or anything else? I just, you know, just what a great reaction that my audience, the at the races audience, had. Uh, to your visit, it was a sensation, and it, it opened so many people. You know, the widened the awareness. I think uh, absolutely. You know, oh my god, just fabulous. I mean, I, I was really tickled at at all the. I got texts, and I got uh, I, I got feedback on social media and emails on how much everybody enjoyed it, and how much they then launched into the jockey club. And so, being invited to join you like this, uh, I, I delighted to do it, and. 
am so glad. And this all, of course, the linchpin of all of this is the amazing, incredible Dave Hill, who, you know, Dave, Dave is the straw that stirs every drink. He's, he's, the, he's the king of swizzle sticks. He is a fantastic guest. Oh, my God. I was, I was thrilled to have him on. And, you know, he was one of the first ones I had, yet he picked a scene all the way towards the end of the movie, which was perfectly fine. But, yeah, he was great. And, really, I should be thanking you a lot, Steve, because you really did help me out as far as getting this podcast a lot more known than it, than it was prior to my oh. appearance on your radio show. Which well, that, it was like that's a, a... Yeah, I, I really a, appreciate thank it. Thank you. I, well, I, can't, I, I that's that's as nice a compliment as uh, as I can I can receive. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jockey Club. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Dan Delgado. Special thanks and gratitude to my guest Steve Bick. At the Races with Steve Bick airs weekdays on Sirius XM. And if you're really interested, there's a link to the hour of his show that I was on in the show description. Our music is from Epidemic Sound. Our cover art is by Sean Labrie. If you enjoyed this episode, and I sincerely hope that you did, well then, you can help the show out by buying me a coffee. This is really a thing, and a couple of you out there have actually done it. Thanks again, if you did. There's a link in the show notes on how to do it. Now, if you're saving up all your pennies to bet on the four horse, well, look, man, I understand. You can still support the show by leaving a free five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may be listening to this. Go ahead. If you're on some other app, take a look. Maybe there's a way for you to review. If you want to contact me, send me an email, dan at moviemaker.com, or I'm on Twitter. It's at underscore Dan underscore Delgado. Or even better, I'm on the Repod app, which is a great way to not only to listen to podcasts, but to interact with podcast hosts. You can find it in your app store. Come on by and say hello. This has been Dan Delgado for The Jockey Club. And remember, sometimes you could be walking around lucky and not even know it.